0: Welcome to Profiles in Eccentricity, a show about weirdos, with your hosts, John Fahey, Aaron Peter, and Matt Brusson.
1: Hello folks, welcome to Profiles in Eccentricity, it's a doggone show about weirdos. My name is John Fahey, joining me, the eternally gorgeous, bright flame. Aaron Joseph Pita.
2: I'm a flame that never extinguishes in terms of my uh, beauty. Yes. Uh, but uh, you, you, can try. Yeah, you can try. Yeah. It's good to be back. Yeah. I've been excited about this uh, mm-hmm. second part of this uh, yes. story. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. The yes. To my right, mm. uh, an equally inextinguishable conflagration of sexitude.
3: Yes. Mm. Matthew Brousseau. Hi, I'm still here. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Guys, uh, it's uh, it's great to be uh, uh, recording this. We are um, going to uh, tell you to get involved with the Patreon because we are going to do an episode um, about this same subject, Woody Guthrie, uh, some supplemental stuff that we're not going to fit oh. into this episode. Um, that'll be probably recorded next week, but... Mm-hmm. I just want to give people a little taste of what we're doing.
2: Of what do you got? The supplement.
1: Yes. A yes. one a
2: day, if you will. Sort of the, mis- the
1: miscellaneous <laughs> notes. I love that. That uh, we're not going to fit into the program. If
2: I may also um, maybe uh, you know ask our listeners, maybe, you know, hey, uh, follow us on Instagram.
1: Absolutely. Oh really yes. Oh yeah! And uh, you know we got we got a comment on the on the YouTube that uh, somebody was saying they they listened to the show on their commute and they they were angry that not more people know about the show. Hmm. So absolutely the best thing you can do for this show and for us is to just tell people about it. Yeah, um, it's the best
2: thing you can do for them as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, it's true.
2: I've never, um, I have not had somebody listen to this program and then uh, express discontent.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's um. People usually it's good for them. Go back and listen to the, all the old ones, and yeah. then and then stay listeners of the program. Yes. So, uh, yeah, please tell, spread the word, um, and uh, you know, hopefully we'll we'll just be able to do this forever and ever. Yeah, that uh, would be the best. That would be the best. Uh, it would be great if this show was like Aaron's Beauty and Burning Eternally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would be. It would be just fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Matt, I'm going to let you take it away. We left okay. on uh, a bit of a cliffhanger last sure. time. do you want to describe to people where we're where, uh, where we left off last? World time? War II, John on
2: profiles and eccentricity.
3: Oh, sorry, World War II, John and Aaron. <laughs> no, uh, so you know, uh, Woody has started out in the uh, the dust bowl of uh, Okima, Oklahoma, in the county of Okfuskee, and uh, then uh, he made his way to California, where he was one of the Do Re Mi uh, migrants. And then he made his way back and then back and then back and then he made his way to New York City. And it was there that he fell in love with the city and he became uh, kind of, you know, the, the playful hobo around there. And then we ended where Woody had uh, he had released his book Bound for Glory, which was a hit of sorts. And he was a, a, a critic's darling and he had found the love of his life and she had had a kid and uh, everything was looking up and up. And But it was World War II. Oh. That Calamitous. Is. And so as we, as we uh, mentioned, uh, Woody thought he could just play music, and that's how he would fight fascism. But the Army had other ideas. And in, uh, we're in 1943 now. Okay. June 1943, the Army sends him draft orders. <sighs> and uh, around this time, his friend Cisco Houston, who he was singing with, the old bellhop from the burlesque uh, club, uh, Cisco Houston had been had been uh, uh, trying to bring him into the merchant marines. And Cisco was, you know, saying things like, Hey, you know, Cisco had terrible eyesight and his brother had terrible eyesight too. And his brother died as a merchant marine when his boat sank and his brother was too blind to find the ladder out of the engine room. Hey, uh, this is something I've always wanted to know. Uh huh. What
2: the fuck do the merchant marines do?
3: They deliver cargo and humans huh. for the rest of the army.
2: Ah. ah so they're the, um, the UPS of the armed forces. In, in essence, I
3: think that's what that's what they were. But doing. But
2: they are a branch of the armed forces. But they're like the guys who uh,
3: you know they're the
2: bringing the, the cigarettes. The help.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean they they weren't I they weren't part of. Um, there was a struggle for a while to get them part of the VA, I believe,
2: because oh, wow. they weren't
3: officially a part of the army, but they were. You know, they supplied sure. everything. Well, I think sure. they should get something.
2: Yeah, yeah. Dental. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, that was a big thing. They formed a union in order. To get um, the all of the all of the healthcare and
1: everything that came with being part of the army. Yeah. Right.
2: Hey, you know what? I I give a thumbs up to
1: that. I I bet that doesn't go uh, super well at the VFW hall, though. You know. What unit?
2: (laughs) (laughs) If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have had your fucking uh, lucky strikes, man. It's true, though. It's true though, it's true though. You got you need logistics, mm-hmm. and you need
1: cigarettes. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh god, yeah. Big time. You need them
2: in this in this industry.
1: Oof. Yeah. Otherwise, how is the enemy going to smell and see you? <laughs>
2: how <are> they going <laughs> to see you in the
1: dark? <laughs> <laughs> so, June 1943,
3: the army sends him uh, draft. Sends Woody some draft uh, orders, and Woody. So Cisco had, had convinced Woody. And Woody was like, "Okay, well, if I'm going to go, I'm not going to go to the army. I'll join Cisco on uh, the Merchant Marines." And so uh, they join uh, Woody. Uh, 1943. He he joins Cisco, and they they go out on a ship. And uh, and Woody on the, his first day, he shows up on the ship with a guitar, a mandolin, a violin, harmonicas, his Jew his Jew's harp, his typewriter, a sea bag, and some beer. He's ready for a journey.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is his first day on the Merchant Marines. Mm-hmm. Hey, it, I'm sorry to go back. Is now is it just done by Halliburton or something? Probably. It's now uh, just outsourced. Probably. I don't
3: know. All
2: right. Yeah. All right. Sorry. I just got to clear that up. <laughs> Anyway, so he shows up with an orchestra's worth of material. Yes, for and there's nothing really.
3: The he's not really like uh, your, your your stereotypical army man. So there's not like a lot of rough labor for him to do. So they make him a dishwasher, and he moves from dishwasher to mess man. Uh, right. Where uh, then he, you know, he he writes colorful blackboards about about the meals of the day. Mm-hmm. And, oh uh, my god! And he entertains. He entertains the the ship is basically like I mean, think of it like the ship is basically a traveling hobo camp. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, and for Woody, it was, it was a sort of heaven. He's among mm. all these gruff characters and a- everywhere he goes, there's just dumb stories. And he's, he has a pencil in his ear and even in the loose lip sink ships era, he writes them all down and everybody's like, he's harmless. So yeah. we'll just let him write everything down. Uh, he wrote down everything he found interesting conversation, observation, speculation, poem notation. Uh, he wrote a poem on the ship once he wrote, uh, the sea took off her clothes in the sun today and naked all night. With the wild wind lay. He was just having a grand old time on it. Yeah, there. it sounds yeah. like he
1: was missing a certain outlet. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to fuck the sun.
3: He's like, yeah, I don't know what
2: all this talk about war being mm-hmm. hell is. Mm-hmm. I'm having a great time I'm with a bunch of men. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just a fucking little the... chalkboard yeah. about the corn.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's like I'm riding the rails, except on the, this open sea.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he wrote about one of the, his the beef stew became, instead of beef stew, he wrote, Aunt Jenny's prize-winning Saturday night special made of choice chunks of, te- of prime Texas beef, braised in golden butter, cooked with 14 carrot carrots, plump tomatoes, California celery, and sweet Spanish onions. Jesus,
1: sounds so good.
3: Yeah, God, it
2: sounds great. And then he wrote... It's probably band-aids and spare thumbs in it and <laughs> shit. It's all nasty.
3: Seasoned and stirred every 10 minutes by a beautiful virgin, if available, or by the youngest member of the gun crew. Aww. Yeah, see, so, that's
2: great. You yeah. know what? You gotta find, you know, gallows humor out there. Mm-hmm. You, know, you gotta find, you gotta make it work.
3: So he'd be constantly writing and the crew would be like, what do you, you write? You know, (laughs) and so he would tell them about writing. He would write songs. He would play music for the crew and they, they loved him for it. And, uh, they had a rule amongst the ship which was like, he's kind of harmless. If any, and and the unspoken rule was if anybody lays a finger on him, we'll break your legs. Ooh.
2: Yeah. That's good. You got to get in good with the muscle.
3: And, uh, so when they had emergencies, everybody had a job to do, but his job was just quote unquote, be there. Stay alive. Stay alive. Yeah, you know you got to get people to like you. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
2: it's, I cannot overstate the importance <laughs>
1: <laughs> of getting people to like you. Yeah, the, the, the ship's leaking. All right, you, 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 uh, you, uh, fucking, you start patching it up, and uh, you bail the water out, and you just be Woody. <laughs>
2: yeah, that was pretty. Woody, much it. <laughs> keep doing you, buddy. <laughs> I like you. Shit, we're all gonna die. Th- <laughs> Woody, don't, don't you worry, your pretty little head. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so they were out delivering cargo and uh their job was to you know go across the atlantic and deliver cargo for the army and the entire time they were being stalked by u boats you could you could see them off, off off of the ports and the and uh, other things you know parts of the boat and uh, so every, so the entire time it's it's always a dangerous trip because the, if the germans can sink your transport you know they can cut off your supply lines and stuff and so everybody was every day there was always something to be afraid of and so what he would do things like one time he he cut he broke up all the fruit crates and he built a what a, quote unquote wind machine. He would just be tinkering with stuff and he would go out onto the top of the ship and, and he would, and it was just to take people's minds off stuff. He built this contraption with like spinning propellers and he said it was a wind machine and the whole crew was just happy to have their mind taken off the U boats. And they even took a bet and they said they took bets on whether it would work. And then they recorded in their log that the ship went 13 more miles than the last day. And so everybody <sighs> was just a it, wind machine. A wind machine, he called it. Was it was a pinwheel. Basically, but a whole group of them, uh, and then the ship made it to Gibraltar, and then Palermo, and they unloaded their cargo, and then they were off to Tunis, where they were hit by a torpedo, <gasps> and almost sank, and they were dragged into port, and everybody had to abandon the ship while it sank into the harbor. There, Jesus, a uh, U boat shot it. Yes, wow, damn. And so after this trip, he comes back. The ship comes or he gets on another ship, and he comes back to New York City. And at this, during this time, Marjorie, his wife, Marjorie Mazia, she, uh, she found a new apartment. For them and their baby on Coney Island at 3520 Mermaid Avenue. And when he came back, it was pure bliss. You come back from a near-death experience and you've got a, a, a wife and kid you love. And he would just sit around and write poems and songs and write insane letters to friends. And then one more month later, he was drafted again. So he hopped back in the Merchant Marines. And... Uh, he had to ship out. Uh, this time they had to ship out. Uh, the ship was carrying cargo and Texas oil workers to North Africa, and it wasn't as much fun because all these gruff men weren't as like friendly with this little, this uh, little uh, clever scamp. Mm. But they get into uh, they get to North Africa and they get to uh, the docks, teeming with with these poor Algerian longshoremen who didn't have any work anymore, and uh, they're they all starving to death. And uh, so at the end of the day, the sailors would empty their 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 food. They would like finish their food and then put all the scraps in a bucket and like hand it to the longshoremen to feed them. And what he recognized, he's like these people need soap because they had too much soap on board. So he collected soap and he brought it into town and he handed it out to all the the women. And then he held a concert for all the kids. Wow! And at the end of the day, they all started chanting his name. Damn, that's great.
1: Clean yourself up and, and worship me. Ah, uh, you're a mess. You're Say my di-
3: name. Disgusting.
2: <laughs> Praise me.
3: <laughs> and so this ship comes back again to New York City. It's March 1944. Woody's 31 years old, and now him and Cisco are just sitting around, hopefully, you know, hopefully we don't get drafted again. And they're just sitting around Mermaid Avenue, and they're just singing songs all day. The entire trip, Woody and Cisco were just playing playing music together, and they got quite good at it. And uh, around this time, Alan Lomax. Uh, was putting on a, a show, and he hired Woody, and the show was never picked up. But during this time, Lomax mentioned a man who was recording that he thought he might be interested in, named uh, Moses Ash. And Mo Ash had this, had this recording studio that was a, a, the size of a closet. But he was just like, if, if you have folk songs, I'll record them. He just wanted to collect music, basically. And so Woody shows up. It's April 16th. He shows up. And uh, he sits on the floor and he says, uh, I'm Woody Guthrie. And the guy goes, uh, so what? And he says, I'd like to play some songs. He goes, okay. So he goes in and uh, him and Sisko they, uh, they play a couple songs uh, on the first day. And, uh, you know, Woody was thinking, like, I got to get everything down. I got to get all my stuff out. And, you know, here's the first song. This is him and Cisco. This is the first song he recorded uh, uh, April, 14, April
4: 16, 1944. First time I've seen my true love.
2: It's about killing somebody that you couldn't have?
3: No, it's about, you know, it's kind of, he's flipping. He's actually singing as uh, a woman. Well, he's a know. homosexual. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know. uh, but as, you know, Cisco in the background. So the first day they showed up, they did two songs. Three days later, April 19th, they stopped in again with Cisco and they did 63 songs. Jeez. Holy shit. And uh, uh, then the next day they showed up again, uh, April 20th, they did 25 songs. And then they showed up three more times at the end of the month 20, 35, 38 songs. They recorded about 120 songs. Over the course of, of, of six, seven days
1: oh, That's insane
3: And uh, they recorded things like the first song uh, The song he learned from the black shoeshine boy In uh, Okima who, who taught him how to play the Jews harp It's called Train 45 They recorded a song that was about uh, cocaine Huh? This old, this old song called uh, Take a Whiff on Me
2: yeah.
3: <laughs> And it
4: was all about uh, here Can we cue that up? Mm-hmm. I got a woman six foot four sleeping in the kitchen with her feet in a door. Hey, hey, baby, hey, take, take a, whip a whip on me. On me. <laughs> Two old maids are fishing in the creek. Ain't caught a man since away last week. Hey, hey, hey baby, take, take a, whip a whip on me. Wow. Take a whip, take a whip, take a whip on me. Everybody, take Everybody. a whip on me. <laughs>
2: Is he singing as like an anthropomorphized
3: chop? he's probably handing it out. Uh-huh. And so what's got- with the six four woman? Oh, you know, it's just a fun. You know, you just you know, it's a fun little verse. he's
1: all. I think he's also understanding that cocaine is a great way to get laid. These two Especially fishing ladies, some
2: six four yeah. women.
3: <laughs> this this was a song. This was a, a folk song that John and Alan Lomax collected. Uh, all over the country in Louisiana and Texas and New York. Huh. And uh, cause it, it was, it was a song straight from the cities. It was, uh, it followed the cocaine habit out of the levee camps and, uh, in the barrel houses, of the deep South. Mm. And when, when everybody would go into the city, they would go to the, you know, the, the fuck house, the chop and, house. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <Gee>. chop house. <laughs> uh, you know, um, he also, you know, um, one of his big things was, was talking blues which is kind of you just play the same verse over and over, the same melody over and over, and you just, you know, you just, it's, it's a very casual type of song. This is one of the things Woody was the best at when he would go play live concerts. And uh, so this is him with his mean-talking blues.
4: Well, I'm the meanest man i ever had a brain. All I scatter is aches and pains. I'm carbolic acid and a poisoned face, and I stand flat-footed in favor of crime and disgrace. If I ever done a good deed, I'm sorry of it. <laughs> I'm an organized famine studying how I can be a little bit meaner.
3: That's one of the songs you just play for 45 minutes. Yeah, right. right. You know, just kind of make up the verse as you go. But uh, on the last session of that month of April, he recorded that Irving Berlin parody he had, uh, he had written mm-hmm. years ago. And uh, the melody he didn't have at the time, but he he, he heard a Carter song, this old Carter gospel. It was a gospel tune the Carters had recorded uh, called When the World's on Fire. Sounds like this. Oh, loving mother, when the world's on fire.
4: Wow.
3: fun stuff.
2: It sounds yeah. familiar.
3: Yeah. So when he recorded that song, he changed uh, the God bless uh, 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 gl- God Blessed America for Me part to This Land is Your Land. Right. And he recorded a bunch of, he co- recorded about seven different verses, and uh, a lot of those were lost to time, uh, especially this one, which which when we were singing as kids, we would never, was never part of the curriculum.
4: <sighs> there was a big high wall there tried to stop me the sign was painted it said private property but on the backside it didn't say nothing <laughs> this land was made for you and me very very very
3: good right and, uh, you know, that was changed to no trespassing because private property is okay in this country because it's, yeah. it's too communist to yeah. say private yeah. property is bad. All right? Yeah. But fuck yeah, that's nice, dude. And he yeah. recorded another verse um, about uh, uh, that, that he never actually sang, or he didn't record it. There's another verse to it. He never sang it. it was, uh, One bright shining morning in the shadow of the steeple by the relief office, I saw my people. As they stood hungry, I stood there wondering if God blessed America for me. Mm-hmm. Wow. And uh, these sessions were very productive, but then they were again brought to a halt when the army said uh you're you're coming back
1: <laughs> and so he, <laughs> Can you imagine how many more fucking songs he would make yeah, i mean jesus christ uh, he's prolific in his writing um
3: uh, his uh i I believe that they when they collected all of his papers they counted over a thousand songs he wrote Jesus." Uh, so this time the ship, they joined the merchant marines again. This time the ship was with, uh, shipping out with 3,000 soldiers who were going to join the invasion of Europe. Excuse me. His official jobs were washing dishes and cleaning tables, but the trip was again. This time the Germans were, they knew the va- invasion was coming. They had to kill every boat that arrived. So this was, was even more perilous than the last one. And, uh, but, but in the bottom of the ship uh, was where all the soldiers were. And uh, Jimmy Long, he was who, who was with them, who became friends of theirs on the Merchant Marines. He said, you know, he always wanted to sit by the uh, the the rowboats because there's only like ten rowboats and there was three thousand soldiers. Mm-hmm. So if the ship gets hit, you're dead if you're not near the rowboats. Yeah. And so, but Woody was like, you know, anytime there was trouble, Woody was like, "Come on down, we're going, we're gonna go sing for these guys." And so he'd go down to the bunks and he'd sing for the soldiers and sing about killing Hitler and just cheer him up. And uh, eventually, they got to Ireland. And then they uh, then they went to Normandy from there. And in Normandy, the water was just full of, of bodies mm-hmm. and debris. And all the kids hopped off. And then they were alone. And then minutes later, they were hit by a torpedo. Jesus. They were hit, but they, they hit an acoustic mine, uh, which is a, a, a mine where the detonator is set off by sound. Yeah. And,
2: it's like those mines you see, like they look like Pinhead from Hellraiser. <laughs> yeah, oh, really?
3: Those are those, you
2: know, prototypical sea mines that you...
1: Oh, you know really? You talking about? Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting.
3: Uh, so the boat was towed to England, and then he stopped off in London, where he played uh, on a BBC show, because they remembered him from the Alan Lam- L- Lomax show that didn't come off. And uh, and about the whole experience with the Merchant Marines, Woody would say, uh, I've had more salt water go in and out of my asshole than you've ever seen. <laughs> Very good, Woody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? What? You spent a lot of time in the water, uh, apparently. I haven't
2: seen any salt water go in <laughs> or out of your asshole, so
3: <laughs> yes. Uh so he gets back home after this this uh after this uh, ordeal in London, and he joins the Roosevelt bandwagon. It's this music group that's going around to promote Roosevelt's fourth term. Uh he was hoping to have a fling on the tour. Uh it didn't come off, it's but strange, he, you mean? Mm-hmm. Uh but you know he 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 told his wife about it, and he admitted uh and then he wrote a lot of apologetic letters home and he was also getting more scandalous with his letters and um the more he stayed away from Marjorie, the more he wrote about how wild wild about the wild passionate sex he had with her, including this letter my mind only wants to draw you nearer and nearer. And you make me the luckiest, happiest man in the world when you move your body with mine. When you close your eyes and open your mouth and roll your belly and your hips. When you spread your legs apart slowly and easy and let me put my mouth and tongue in the hairs of your womb. Whoa. Uh-huh. There's this smell that goes through, through me, finer than the prettiest morning. And the skin and the hair of your belly and womb are my whole life's desire. To touch your lips with my lips and lick my tongue in your hole of your vagina absolutely boils every drop of blood in my body. I feel my penis fill up with its warm blood. I feel it stand up stiff and hard against your body. To press it tight and hard against you sends me to heaven and back nine times. Just to push my penis against you while I lick my tongue inside of the hole of your womb. Whoa! Your juices taste to my mouth better than any meal or drink in the world can brag about. Hmm. Just to move my mouth against the lips between your legs. <laughs> and when the juice of my mouth makes your little hole all warm and slick, then to move and kiss your face and eyes and to kiss your mouth and suck the saliva from your tongue. To slip the end of my penis to your hairs while they're so wet and oily, to feel the head of it enter your little hole, Mama. That, that that warm feeling that is your very life bathes me all over. And your electricity and magnetism runs all through me from end to end. Your your breath from your nose and your mouth I want to suck into my lungs. I want to be closer to you and get closer yet. To feel your pretty lips, your pretty hips roll under my belly and push my penis in you a little deeper. Your heat gets hotter and my penis goes farther and farther. Your organs inside your belly squeeze tight around my rod and I can feel your inner womb as it fits like a glove over the end of my penis.
2: Penis, a lot of penis. Yeah, this, yeah.
3: This is the most peaceful and beautiful feeling of life to me, and I only want it to be as beautiful as good to you.
1: And then there's another uh, another page of it.
2: Another page. There's of a whole clinical description: uh-huh. penis, vulva, vagina. Yeah,
1: very, very blatant for a poet. Yes. Uh, <laughs> kind of, you know. I, it, I like Rod. Rod's a good one. Rod is, I love Rod. God, yeah. it's such a good one. I like, I like the part where he says, um, it's better than any drink I've had.
2: Or any drink or meal I've had could ever brag about. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, uh, this, uh, this, uh, Long Island iced tea is pretty good, but, you know, it's not my baby's vagina. <laughs> not my baby, but, you know.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, you know but, what I'm my, saying. My know, baby. You know what I'm talking about. My baby. Oh, like, man.
2: That, her womb. Oh, woof. Yeah. Man, her womb and my lips. Wow.
1: Yeah,
3: and it was uh, shit. Yeah, as Marjorie when Marjorie got this, she said she blushed and she giggled. And she just,
1: Hell yeah, she blushed. Yeah, Tongue yeah. in her womb. And
3: she, <laughs> she, she she said there was nothing she could say to such a letter. She didn't understand it. She loved it. She was flattered by it. She's aroused by it and frightened a little bit. Yeah, that's good. Woody, Woody that's himself good. wasn't sure how to how to how to react to it. the The next letter he wrote was. I suppose by now you've got my real super drooper sexy letter I drained out of my pen the other night.
2: He drained out of his pen. This is, this is Woody's white stains.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> much. I've always craved more than anything else to write just such letters, but I didn't know who to write them to. Read it. Read it over to yourself. Read it in privacy and silence. I meant it. I meant every word of it.
1: <laughs> Read it from the rooftops. <laughs>
2: this is, uh, you know, early 20th century sex thing.
1: hmm Yeah. Very good. So the ba- hey, don't
2: show
3: that to anybody.
1: <laughs> don't tell anybody how you pussy, okay?
3: <laughs> no, he was very, he was very happy to say that. Uh, Any he-
2: vagina? <laughs> oh man, I'd love to taste your vagina. <laughs>
3: so uh, Roosevelt wins, and Woody comes back to New York City, where he uh, he manages to uh, get another job on a radio show. On WNEW. No one knows quite how he got it, and no one knows quite how he lost it 12 weeks later.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, how'd you get this job? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Who you're are
1: listening you listening to? WNEW. <laughs> and we don't know what's going on. I'm
2: Woody, and I love vagina.
3: <laughs> and uh, Oklahoma,
2: you're on the air. <laughs>
3: Uh, During this time, though, he's he's hanging out with uh, 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 Kathy, and he's having a great time. And um, let me see here. And he starts writing uh, uh, children's songs. We'll we'll get into a little bit. Uh, But but during those twelve year twelve weeks, he's on the air is the first time he ever actually like really uh, synthesizes everything he thinks about songwriting. Because for him, the melody is one thing, but the words are everything. And he, on the fir- his first broadcast, he says this. He says, I hate a song that makes you think you're not good. I hate a song that makes you think you're born to lose, bound to lose, no good to nobody, good, no good for nothing. Because you're either too old or too fat or too young or too slim or too ugly or too this or too that. Songs that run you down or songs that poke fun of you on account of your bad luck or hard traveling. I am about to fight those kinds of songs to my very last breath, my last drop of blood. I'm out to sing songs that will prove to you that this is your world, that if it hit you, hard, you pretty hard knocked you for a dozen loops, no matter how hard it's run you down it no, rolled you over, no matter what color, what size you are, how you're built, I'm out to sing the songs that make you take pride in yourself and your work. And the songs I sing are made up, for the most part, by all sorts of folks. Just like you, <laughs>
1: That's, that is fantastic. It's great, but what are these songs? Yeah. The songs he's writing. Just, no, but no, but what are the songs he's rebelling? Like, like what was the number one hit? Yeah, you, yeah. You're not gonna make it, you fat. <laughs> yeah, was he listening to 2015 rap?
2: <laughs> Don't leave your girl around me. True play, for real. <laughs> you ain't shit. Got a lot of enemies, girl, lot of... <laughs>
1: like, Was he listening to Drake? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> DJ Paul. Yeah. You leave your drink, me. Believe your drink won't get drunk. <laughs> <laughs>
4: you ain't shit.
1: Oh, man. But that is, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty great. And uh, so in early 1945,
3: Mo Ash releases uh, an album of six of Woody's songs. It's famously reviewed, but it doesn't sell at all. And then in March of 1945, the Army comes back again. Oh, God. And he auditions for them, and they interview him, and they ask him if he's communist, and then he says, yeah, and then, uh, <sighs> uh-oh, on May 7th, 1945, the day the Germans surrendered to the Allies, they send him to basic training. He's 32 years old. He's huh. surrounded by a bunch of 18-year-olds. Huh?
2: Why does he have to go to basic training?
3: Because this well, time he's in the Army.
2: And not the Merchant Marines, yeah. not the DHL. Huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 32. He's 32.
3: And all of the, 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 the sergeants there were like, ah, you, I don't know how you got here, but you take it well. Yeah, There's he's a, 32. He's fucking a, not 18. Yeah. He understands shit. Yeah. Uh, he, he sent like,
2: me to basic training. I mean, oh, I'm, I'm not going to say anything about that. <laughs> uh,
3: after basic training, they assign him to the teletype office, and he replies, he writes back home. He said, I've been classified and qualified, mystified and bona fide for to be a teletype operator. And this is a kind of rhythm that you would hear uh, much later in Arlo Guthrie's "Alice's Restaurant." That same type of uh, of, of wordplay. The fide, yeah. certified, mm-hmm.
2: electrified, mm-hmm. Choppified.
3: chopified, chopified. Uh, Arlo would write they 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 got a building down in New York City called Whitehall Street, where you walk in, you get injected, inspected, detected, infected, and neglected, and selected. Mm. Uh, after this basic training, he's sent to Scottfield, Illinois. And his, his his letters start getting weary and tired, and uh, he he doesn't let, he's bored. And uh, while he's there, he hears a, a new country hit over the radio, and it's his cousin Jack Guthrie singing "Oklahoma Hills." No shit. Yeah. Wow. Which isn't exactly inspiring for him. Uh, he turns thirty three this year, and uh, and his he, the only present he asks for Marjorie is a sexy letter.
2: Yeah, man with priorities.
3: And he adds to it, he says, I feel my penises out of your womb, and I ask you to take him in your mouth and lick him with your tongue. You may never know that night you gave him nice kissings and sucks was the night I felt closest and most completely together.
1: Wow.
3: Uh-huh. Huh. And then he goes on promoting that uh, oral sex is uh, it's a variation, it's clean, and it's healthy because it kicks the last bashful conventions out the door. Wow.
2: It's making a lot
1: of sense. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, No argument. From this side uh, of I'm of having the a booth. hard
1: time keeping up. Oral sex is good? <laughs>
2: wow. Groundbreaking uh. stuff.
1: <laughs> well, it was a while ago, I guess.
2: Maybe you must learn something mm-hmm. in
1: Europe. Yeah. yeah, yeah there's he, was, that. he
2: went to France, probably learned a cutting thing you know?
1: Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> uh, Japan surrenders on August 14th, and yet he still has to stay there in St. Louis. He does write home saying that St. Louis, uh, the peace hit St. Louis harder than the war ever did. The celebrations that night were a little wild, I guess. Oh... oh. Uh, But he gets bored Uh, They move him from the teletype office to sign painting Which he he loves He loves loves
2: chalk and menus, etc So
3: he's having a good time He makes his own bulletin board And he has clever signs Like one night he writes Frost tonight, good duck hunting And then the next day he writes Serious duck shortage looms (laughs) (laughs) But he also notices He's not sure if it's boredom or, or, or what But he's having more trouble concentrating and he writes home that he has confused states of mind, a kind of kind of lonesomeness, a nervousness that stays with me. And no matter how I set myself to reading, painting, or playing my guitar, without trying to make it sound too serious, it's ever, uh, it, ever does get, it never does get quite straight in my head. And uh, then he, exp- he sends another letter explaining his ma- his, the history of masturbating that he's gone through.
2: Yeah, yeah I think he's, he's, too, he's denotified.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, he's sent to Las Vegas later that year. First, him and Marjorie get married. Uh, he gets to Las Vegas and he's just he has nothing to do other than write so he starts writing letters 40 50 pages long. Ugh. He writes about everything he sees, routine, the men, his memories, uh his, his past, anything and, and, and more than anything he wrote about sex. And then he mentioned to Marjorie that he's also <laughs> been writing he's also been writing sex letters to other women now. He mentions that to her. Yes.
1: Hey, uh, I've even tried my pen at uh other other gals.
3: (laughs) But I don't, uh, you know, I don't
2: use such colorful language like vagina, (laughs) penis. penis. (laughs) But I do uh, express myself sufficiently, my dearest Marjorie. Yeah, well, what else? (laughs) Imagine him writing. Yeah, what else? (laughs) Uh, To write a fifty-page letter, you Uh kind of have to write a lot of ums. Yeah. And a um. Yeah. Anyway.
1: Yeah, I bet the I bet the the sex part of the writing came pretty easy. <laughs> the rest is <laughs> yes. like,
2: yeah.
1: what the fuck are these other pages about? Well, he, he writes to her about the sex letters. He writes, "I feel I could make ardent love
3: to any two women and still have time to study books and write songs." He's been writing to this woman named Annette. He says, "I told Annette that if she needed bodily love to help her through her season, I was I was not the type of man to turn my back." Her season, yes, yeah. is know. that period? No, I think you just you know you know it's winter. You want to fuck or something? Yeah, yeah, uh, you know yeah.
2: That is. I'm sorry, I'm having my season right yeah. now. Woody. I'm uh, a bit indisposed. <laughs> I like the weather.
1: <laughs> I like the weather. Shut up. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and, and then, uh, but his writing is also getting weirder too. Uh, in December, he writes to her. He said. Uh, I'm just dizzy, woozy, bulberry, scrubber-y, scrubbery, rustlery, tastily. I kept, I was saying, uh, Fantiffy, Fantiffy, Fantoy, Fantoy, Poodly dumb, Dee Dum Dum, Doodle Doodle Dum, Cockles of Daylight, My Old Hen Lays Eggs for the Railroad Men. And then he writes, This is the soberest drunk I ever got on. Oh my God. Oh, he's, well, he's he's going did... he's going full Kanye. Yeah,
2: he is. Scoopity poop. poop. Is he going full Kanye, man? Mm, you'll oh. see. Does he go meet Grover Cleveland?
3: <laughs> <He>
1: does <not laughs> does <meet> America <laughs> get great the first time? <laughs>
3: <laughs> the, um. But then the next day, uh, after he writes that letter, he's discharged on December twentieth, nineteen forty-five. He heads back to Mermaid Avenue, and he finally he's like, now we can finally live the life. And it's a tiny little room. It's a three-room uh, on the one-story apartment. And it's just full of books and records. There's one bedroom where Kathy sleeps, his daughter, and Woody and Marjorie sleep on a fold out couch that uh, is jammed against the upright uh, piano in there. And there's just violins and mandolins and guitars strewn all around the apartment. Mm. And the backyard was a tiny little square foot that he filled with scraps of junk that he collected and would make random sculptures like that wind machine he made I'm on the merchant sure. ship. Sure.
1: Sounds like he was. <laughs> Gotta patent this wind machine. we going to rock. Down
3: to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but for everybody in the all the kids in the neighborhood, the house was magic because everybody in the neighborhood was working class. They were tailors. And and but here was here was this 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 folk singer who was married to this professional dancer. And they had this weird type of love where where they were always kind of struggling. And it was but but it it, it was bright and happy. And so all of these children in the neighborhood were in houses where, where, where there was never any joy. They could go over to the Guthrie's and stay for a week or a month or a year even and just just be a part of the glow of them. And so it was, it was, it was really enjoyable for the neighborhood. And uh, what do you, now he, wasn't, he was out of the Marines. He wasn't working. He started spending more time with his daughter. He started writing her diary for her. Uh, what? Thinking like, April 29th, sucked fingers, gurgled, cooed. Mm. Dictated outline of a policy plan to oust John L. Lewis from the CIO. <laughs> bowel, bowel movement. Change diaper. So
2: she's very, very young. She
3: she's uh she's about two or three at this and point. And he's writing her diary. This mm-hmm.
2: that's hilarious.
1: Very funny. He's just he just didn't stop writing, no matter what he did. And yeah, then he, it just sounds like this guy is just always doing something. Yes. Well, there's nothing else to do
2: back then. <laughs> no, but, but well, think about all
1: the motherfuckers that weren't doing shit. Well them. <laughs> Yeah, great point. You know what I mean? Like uh,
2: most everyone.
1: Yeah, he's always putting something yeah, out.
2: He's got a fire. He's got a he, he. But it know.
1: is. It's gotta be. I mean, just pure enjoyment of doing it, of course. Like you oh, know.
2: also being probably nuts.
1: Uh yeah, I guess. But but um, but hey, you, you, you just gotta
2: do it. Yeah You're crazy You yeah, just gotta you be gotta, crazy Yeah mm-hmm. you gotta write 400
1: mm-hmm. songs yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah
2: 550 page nut letters Right
3: <laughs> <laughs> But so he's hanging out With his daughter And he's he's enthralled By children And just the way They think and act And so he starts Writing songs For kids And he starts writing He I mean he writes them From the point of view Of the kid
4: Take me riding In the car Car Take me riding In the car Car Take you riding In my car Car I'll take you Riding in my car <laughs> Yeah.
3: hey oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and that he's you know, he's, he's th- you know thinking
4: like a kid, but why can't a bird eat an elephant? Why, oh, why, oh, why? Cause an elephant's got a pretty hard skin. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. What makes the landlord take money? Why, oh, why, oh why? I- that one myself goodbye,
3: goodbye, <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> And he puts out an album of Kids songs and it sells better than Any of his other albums huh. mm. uh, And so he, he Thinks he's gonna do that more often and then Mo Ash is like no you gotta you gotta Write more of these ballads that have meaning or about life and everything and so <laughs>
1: <laughs> Can't be just drooling all over your balls <laughs> 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 Fucking Making noises You know is regressing. I gotta dumb it down for these idiots. Yeah. Yeah. But Mo Ash
3: said, he says he wants them to write a song about Sacco and Vanzetti which was still uh, they I think 1927. Well but it was still a powerful issue at that time. It was still a, 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 a strong interesting. It was, it was still a, a strong story in America right. at that time.
2: For those who don't know Sacco and Vanzetti were accused anarchists who were put to death mm-hmm. yeah. for a bombing
1: Haymarket,
2: right? Yeah. No, Haymarket was a different one. No, that, that was, was in Chicago. Oh, this is okay. New York. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh. Okay.
2: Um, and they 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 alternately denied the accusations and confessed.
3: Probably uh, for, they probably
2: for did. They had something to do with it, but they probably did not do the bombing themselves. But they were they were executed for it. Yes. And for this was 1927.
1: And they were Italian. They, yes. Yeah,
2: they were Italian, uh, <laughs> <Wop> Guinea, Dago greasers.
1: <laughs>
3: So Moash says you go write this song, and he sends him out to Boston and Pittsburgh, and and Woody just he just can't, it's not coming like it used to, and he writes to Moash. He says, uh, "So I say, uh, let's forget about the Sacco and Vanzetti album for the time being. It will be a lot better when I can get in my car and my own way of traveling from one scene to the other one." And then he writes, "I'm drunk as hell today. Been that way for several days. uh Oh, I refuse to write these songs while I'm drunk, and it looks like I'll be drunk for a long time." Yeah. <laughs> How inconvenient! An, an album, though, is a little it, excessive. He was, yeah, he was. He's going to write thirteen songs about it. Jesus, uh, try one. <laughs> but but during uh, this time, he does. He's 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 just scrolling through the newspaper. He'll cut out clips from the newspaper for a news article, and he'll write he'll write six seven songs just based on that article, trying to just write one good one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But he does write one song that becomes a, a folk standard of sorts. It's about the, this massacre in Ludlow, Michigan. In 1913, where there, this union was throwing a Christmas party and some some, union, some scab thug came in and yelled fire. And then the door was closed and all, and everybody, and all these people were trampled and died. And uh, this is the second to last verse from that song.
4: Such a terrible sight I never did see We carried our children back up to their trees the scabs outside still laughed at their spree and the children that died there was 73. The piano played a slow funeral tune.
3: Hmm. And uh that was one of his his last uh, great like uh, hits of sorts. Um but he was he was getting weirder and it was harder to for him to work uh Pete Seeger and friends they formed this thing called People's Songs. Uh they're still being labeled communist and snubbed by later labor le- leaders and unions uh which didn't help. And then Woody would be weird and 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 his live shows were getting weirder and stranger. What do you so, mean?
2: Being, it'd be, it'd weird, be weird, Woody. Well,
3: it, he would find that um if 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 they weren't if the crowd wasn't enjoying it as much as he he wanted, he would just play the same Verse over and over and over just to just, oh, you don't like it? Well, you're really not going to like this. Whoa. And then uh, there's this one night they were singing Black Eyed Susan. It was an impro- improvisational song. And when it was his turn to sing, the, his verse was backed her up against the wall. Here I come, balls and all. Hey, pretty little Black Eyed Susie. Whoa. And the crowd was not a big fan of that. His uh, driving got worse. He would run red lights. He'd go down the uh, wrong way down one end streets. He went to this uh, this fancy party with Alan Lomax. He started eating the hors d'oeuvres with uh, two hands.
2: Oh, Jesus Christ.
3: Just shoving them to his face. Oh,
2: my God. Could you imagine?
3: <laughs> he, uh, he performed this elaborate trick on the host. She was covered in diamonds, and she had this gold and onyx cigarette holder. And he would always have this plastic one with him. And he did this Charlie Chaplin-esque magic trick where he swapped hers with his. And then when she asked for it back, he's like, I don't know where it is. So then him and the butler went out to look for it through the yard. And then he came back inside. They didn't find it. And he took all the money on the table and he poured it in his shirt. And he said, you can't shoot me now. And then. (laughs) Dude, he's losing it big time. He's like,
2: Do not go in there. He's doing the whole. (laughs) Yeah.
3: And so then they asked for the money back. So he opens his shirt up and just lets it drop to the ground. He walks up to the host, does another elaborate trick and replaces the plastic uh, cigarette holder with her onyx one. And uh, and they're like, you son of a bitch. You, you knew where it was the whole time. It was in his butt. <laughs> and he's preserved in salt his water. This cigarette holder tastes like <laughs> shit. <laughs> uh, doesn't it? And they're like, uh, well, you you bastard. You had it the whole time. Why'd you make the butler go look? And what Woody said, uh, I just don't want to embarrass that man by making it seem like he couldn't find it and I could. That was his, uh, you know, his... Just being nice to that guy, yeah, huh? Very, very good, Woody. Very good. Very, very nice. And but you know now uh, all of this is adding up, and it's getting worse with Marjorie. He's still carousing. He's still he's still going out and meeting women. He's gallivanting. Uh-oh. He's yep. gallivanting. Tying he, on, uh, <laughs> on. travel rousing. Mm-hmm. He, that that woman Annette. He uh, he he had been writing to. He decides uh, him and Sisko are going to go down and visit her. Uh oh. Uh Cisco parks the car, Cisco goes out, goes into the house to meet Annette and he comes back out and he just says nope and then they leave. Oh my
1: Oh my oh, god. What
2: happened?
1: What happened to Or uh what was the state of Annette? <laughs> well, yeah, there's a
3: lot yeah, what well, mm. uh But you know, for Marjorie his, his his sexuality was was very innocent. So she was she like she was embarrassed by it, but it was like you know, it, yeah. What? Whatever.
2: It's it's Woody. He just has a tiny penis and the Anyway, <laughs> yeah. just let him. We just kind of let him do his thing.
1: <laughs> just let him look around
2: my womb. Yeah. Uh, he calls it my womb. I don't. I don't. I understand. just let him. I just
3: let him. Do so they they make an agreement where they're like, Marjorie's like, let's just not see each other on the weekdays, and on the weekends he's up in this cabin in New York, and we'll go hang out on the weekends and. But then she goes up and visits him, and, and we have, they have a great weekend, and they go skinny dipping, and they have oh. this great time, and and then she's like, "We want we should get back together." And Woody writes to her. He goes, "What has what has mom and nature put in there? Put in you? What has mom and nature put in you that it's the world's best drugstore for me?" why is the spit in your mouth my best medicine Ooh, nice and why does my belly tingle and my balls tingle and my pecker stay so hot and so stiff at the very thought of you oh
2: pecker christ mm-hmm. peckers are aggressive <laughs>
1: I hate pecker I like
2: that spit line though hell yeah
3: spit is good
2: spit is, spit is good because spit is it's good. like the um the piss of your mouth
1: <laughs> yeah you're right I hadn't thought about that you're exactly right Aaron that's very good
2: <laughs> thank you yeah.
3: And it's uh, December 1946 and Marjorie is pregnant again. Ah. Her womb is full. Her womb is full. Is with child. And uh, <laughs> they they decide to name the kid Arlo because uh, uh they were walking to the beach with Kathy and Marjorie has a as a memory of a an old story and it, she has a vision and and she sees this kid named Arlo from this old story from her childhood and she sees Woody with Kathy and she's like that kid looks exactly like Woody. Does right now, she runs up and she says, "Let's name him Arlo." And Willie's like, "Sure, yeah, let's do it."
1: <laughs> I was, yeah, was going to name him Vagina. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to name him
3: Spit, and then uh, in <laughs> Pecker,
1: <laughs> it, Woody got three Woody, Woody. Woody. Woody right, yeah.
3: Uh, and then in early 1947, Thursday, February 6, it's Kathy's fourth birthday, and on Saturday of that week, Woody had a very successful concert. And uh, Sunday, he uh, sits down and he writes, and then he heads out in the late morning to go to an appearance before an electrical workers' union. Marjorie takes Kathy for a walk. She brings Kathy back. They eat lunch and they play. And then uh, early in the afternoon, Marjorie, she's like, oh, I'm having this kid and I'm low on vitamin C. I should go across the street and get some vitamin C. And she's gone for five minutes. And when she comes back, the entire apartment is billowing smoke. Jesus.
1: What? Not more fire.
3: She was gone for five minutes. She comes back to find the upstairs neighbor boy with Kathy in a blanket and her body is seared and her face is beginning to blister. Oh my God, man. And she dies early the next morning. Hypothermia? Oh, jeez. <laughs> the firemen suspected that uh, there was cheap wiring in the radio that Kathy was listening to and it created an electrical fire that blew up.
2: Oh. Oh my God. Gotta get this fire thing under wraps.
3: It's just another one of those weird family tragedies that follows the Shermans all the way through their life. Fuck, Jesus! You know,
2: it truly is now the best time to be
1: alive. Where yeah. <laughs> you?
3: You
2: got that good wiring?
1: <laughs> yeah, none.
2: <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Like fucking Bluetooth, it dog. Hello. <laughs> Hi. It wasn't
3: exactly the time where you you know, or men would share emotions with each other, but that that night, uh, Cisco and Jimmy and Woody they go for a walk
2: after she's dead. The, the night, night the she's night, dead. The night
3: the night after the morning, the night of the morning she died, they they go for a walk on the beach. Fuck. And as they're walking, Woody just stops and he lays down on the ground and he starts flopping and flailing his arms and he just screams a an wounded animal yell. Robert Klein or Joe Klein writes. Uh, Increasing in force and intensity It'll pierce the noise of the breakers And seem to hover like a clod over the beach And then he stopped And he got up again and he walked home And he wrote down in his notebook And the things you fear shall truly come upon you
2: Oh god So he's like dealing with his sister And all that shit shit.
3: The lifetime of fire Yeah. And so around this time he gets an offer To go to Spokane, Washington And he's like "I, I should leave Maybe that'll help uh him and marjorie are still writing these letters and they're getting antagonistic and loving and antagonistic and loving and it's you know he's going he'll he'll be upset and he'll talk about sleeping with someone else and then she'll get angry at him and he'll write back a really loving letter and and it's just um
2: he's a boy he's a young he's a boy yeah what did uh he how soon after the the uh, uh death of their daughter did he leave
3: uh, probably within a week. The the, the day after her death, Shit. he got a, he got a telegram saying you should come and do these shows. Oh my Jesus. god,
2: that is crazy. Yeah,
3: and so as he go, he goes through these shows and he travels through his whole past. Basically, he goes down into Texas and Oklahoma and he goes back up into California through all these places. And when he got home, he was energized. And him and Marjorie fucked and fucked and fucked. And they had Arlo was born in forty seven. Jody Ben. Was born in forty eight, and Nora, their final child, was born in fifty.
2: Do you think that when they like when they were doing it, you think like he was like talking dirty, like yeah, I'm, I don't care the other one got burnt to death. I'm gonna put another one in. Here, no, I don't think he was. doing <laughs> it <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, yeah, I got fucking tons of little kids up in these balls. I'm put another one in. You burn, all, you, got, you can burn a hundred of them down. <laughs>
1: 100 of
2: them he, down? Yeah, I'm going to fucking keep pumping kids in you. I don't care how many you burn down, bitch. That's how you talk. That's yeah, how you yeah talk. that's how I do Yeah, That's my sex talk as I talk about, <laughs> yeah, you can kill all these kids <laughs> and I'm going to keep pumping them into you. That's exactly how I do
1: it. I don't even care if one of these kids I put in you dies in a fire. I'll just, do, I'll just do it again. What the fuck do I care, dude? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I fucking wish a motherfucker would. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wish there was cheap wiring in that radio. <laughs> yeah,
2: I'll keep pushing out more, some more excuses to put pump nuts in you, bitch. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he liked me. I mean, his rapper. letters are a little bit better than that. <laughs> oh, keep ejaculating into your womb, my
3: dear.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we're getting closer. Now we're With my penis. <laughs> With my penis. The, the, hair, the
2: hairs of the lips between your legs. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He doesn't really talk about nut very much. You
2: know, no, no, no. He's very nut averse.
1: Mm. No, well, he does. <laughs> where, where I disagree with the uh, uh, aversion this is where to I, nut.
2: I have I take umbrage with what young Woody. <laughs> here is uh, the serious uh, dearth of mm. nut.
3: <laughs> Well, it's funny, you say that, John? Because when he got back, Uh-oh. he oh, he, 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 fin- he he finished his second book, which was called Seeds of Man. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: yeah. <laughs> Subtitle. I love.
1: I've been misunderstood. <laughs> <Yeah>.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it
2: was his white stains. <laughs> yeah.
1: Seeds of man. Mm, yes. Yes, the children. It's, it's 1950. He gets back uh, from this tour, or I or, mean,
3: or, 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 a year or two before that. And he gets back, and, and uh, he gets a check for $1,500 for his share of the Oklahoma Hills royalty. So eventually yeah. he does get some of that. His second book, Seeds of Man, was not picked up by a publisher. Um, And, you know, people's song, they're struggling because now they're dealing with segregated unions and they're all about integration. Right. And the unions are segregated. So it's how do you sing? So they'll (laughs) go to a place and sing about integration, but the white people in the union won't be there. Yeah. So they're singing about integration to
1: only black people. Unfucking believable dude. Like, I mean, it's a union. Yeah. Yeah. You know it's hey, bad for unions banding together
2: for a common cause except yeah.
1: But you stay over there
2: and we'll be over here. Our union is separate
3: but equal. <laughs> and together sort of not. <laughs> and then there's a there's this struggle in America between unions and and communism and um I mean I guess I
1: guess the thing is you want to distance yourself from the communists. Right, but, but you uh, but, want, but you want to fight for labor.
3: Yeah, but a lot of the people who weren't in unions associated them with communism, and so there's this, There was this, these things called the the peak skill riots, where Paul Robeson went to do. Paul Robeson when He was in Europe. He he's he said he had made this speech about how you know uh, you know America. We we need to work work together with the world. And the AP reported it, it, it as like uh, America's uh, uh, a, a garbage pit. And uh, yeah. I don't trust them, <laughs> and so
2: I see how you could mess that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> and so it what in, a shithole. I like Russia. Personally. In Peekskill, yeah. New York, Paul Ro- Robeson puts on this concert, you know, uh, and the local townspeople show up and they start beating all the people at the concert. And they, they there's a, a World War One, the first black World War One pilot gets beaten by the cops. Oh my god. While he's god. there. And there's a very famous image of I guess it's not famous enough, of him being beaten Jeez. by the cops. Uh from this Woody writes a a great song called My Thirty Thousand about the when they held the second concert, thirty twenty thousand people showed up and, and 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 basically stood guard around the concert to keep the the hey. local townsfolk from nice.
1: it. Get the townies out of here.
3: And uh Toonies, dude. And you know, he, Woody's not getting any work, but he's still writing all the time. He meets Einstein oh. uh, who's a hero of his.: Wow. And uh, uh, he goes I like
1: to, the way you think.
3: He goes down to Princeton, and uh, from, his theory, from Einstein's theory theories <laughs> that Woody didn't completely understand, he writes, uh, "If I can't go east or nor west, if I can't go north nor south, I can still go in and out. I can still go round around and, and around and around and around." Oh, so he's trying to figure hey, out
2: he's, he's putting together the mm-hmm. whole relativity thing. That's pretty cool.
3: Yeah. And uh, around this time, there's a, a plane of migrant workers who that that crashes uh, and everybody all the everybody in the plane dies. And what he writes, an amazing song called Plane Wreck Los Gatos Deportees. Uh, he doesn't record it, but it, uh, Bob Dylan and uh, Joan Baez would sing it on one of his tours and it becomes a, a very popular folk, folk song. Huh. Uh, but now the apartment, is they have all these kids now, and the apartment's getting smaller and smaller. There's a three-bedroom apartment, and you got four kids. And and Woody's starting, he's acting out, and he's becoming a bad father now. There's a story of him and Arlo, and, and a couple of Woody's friends are walking on the beach, and Arlo's just whining all the time. So Woody takes some sand and shoves it into his mouth Ugh. to stop him from whining.
1: Ugh.
2: Well, let's quit whining.
1: Well, yeah, yeah.
3: I wonder I if bet that's... You, I bet you quit. <laughs> <laughs> But he didn't quit the obscene letters. And so uh, in in 1948, this is even before the 1950s stuff, he is arrested uh, for uh, mailing obscenity. Whoa. Oh,
2: his letters? His so, private uh, nut letters? So ja-
3: Jack Guthrie dies and Lefty Lou, his old radio partner, her younger sister, writes to Woody to say that he's dead. And what he writes back that he, he's you know, very sad about it. And then his next letter is a very sexual in nature. Uh-oh. And then his next letter he sends, along with the sexual letter, he sends newspaper clippings of grisly murders. And she brings it to the local district attorney. And the guy's like, you should press charges. So she does. Why? Because he's, he's prosecuted for sending obscene materials through the mails. They but said. it's the
1: newspaper.
3: I know. Yeah, I the, know. the newspaper sends the, those obscene things to the yeah. mail first. I guess Fuck, it
1: can. shows up at my doorstep. L.A. Every fucking morning. <laughs> LA doesn't want to hear about the grizzly murders in New York, I guess. I guess. I guess. Interesting though. Isn't that kind of It's it's very he sentenced
3: to 180 days in jail. Weird. Uh, I mean,
1: why was he doing it in the first place though?
3: The whole thing is weird. Well, because he
2: Interstate commerce, dude.
3: That's what it is. Sending it. Yeah, that's true. Actually, it's probably because it was across state lines. Obscenity
2: laws were originally, they were left up to the states. Ah. And so perhaps it was an interstate commerce. Very, very
1: good. Very good. Very good. That's
2: not very good. I am. No,
1: yes, that's what I was complimenting you, of course. I wasn't wasting my time. Thank you. On other things. Come on.
2: John, (laughs) you're very good. You are very good.
1: Thank you.
3: Uh, so he spent. He's in jail. He's only there for a few weeks because Jimmy Longy was was his lawyer, and then he was able to pull some strings and got him out. But Woody had a great time in jail. He even organized. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> of course he did. Of course, yes. of course. it was the Merchant Marines all over again. You guys got chalk. <laughs> he or, chop? He organized a Christmas
3: pageant. Is. He put together a Christmas pageant in jail. Yeah, and then they he got out of jail. And he was really upset because they sprung him from jail a couple days before the pageant.
1: Oh, God, he was all that trouble. Yeah,
3: well, even, even Marjorie. Marjorie said, well, he had a point. The least they could have done was let him come back and do the Christmas show for those poor guys.
1: Oh, my God. Can you imagine? You should have <laughs> shanked somebody in the cafeteria <laughs> for the next couple of weeks. Can you imagine how heartbroken those dudes were? Yeah. What are God. Uh, now- I made you Pruno.
3: <laughs> Christmas pageant in jail? Yeah. I believe that's. I think yeah. John Prine has a song or something a, similar to that. I think
2: that was an Ernest movie. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, but now it's the earliest, So uh, go ahead uh, a couple, a few years back to the early 1950s. Early 1950s, the folk revival explodes. The Weavers are the uh, We. The uh, Communism has, has the the scare of communism is is past, and the Weavers explode. The Weavers are is Pete Sigurd, It's like the Almanacs but reworked. Pete Seeger and other folk singers, they become the Weavers. They sign this huge deal with the record company, and they ask Woody to adapt that song, So Long. Uh has been good to know you. been good to know you. So he revises it, they re-record it, and the first day, uh, they shipped 125,000 copies. In the first 10 days, they shipped 125,000 copies. Wow! And they shipped 25,000 copies of the sheet music of it. And from that, he gets a $10,000 advance. Yes. Hey. Uh, and they move into a new house on Beach Haven Uh oh In December 1950, uh, Woody signs the lease At Beach Haven a car- Apartment complex And uh, he signs it Also signing as the man who owns the place A man named Fred Trump Mm-hmm. Oh, great And as soon as he moved in there Woody uh, started uh, uh, He noticed how uh, It was all white Mm. And he wrote a song about it. He wrote, uh, I suppose old man Trump knows just how much racial hate he stirred up in the blood pot of human hearts when he drawed that color line here at 1800 Family Project. Wow. Whoa. And even wrote a a, a verse to I Ain't Got No Home uh, to it. He said, Beach Haven ain't my home. I just can't pay this rent. My money's down the drain. My soul is badly bent. Beach Haven looks like heaven where no black ones come to roam. Oh no, old man Trump! Old Beach Haven ain't my home. Yeah, old man Trump. Old man Trump. Old man Trump. I believe uh, Tom Morello recorded an okay version of that.
1: Is that true? Yes. Uh, okay. No kidding. Uh, okay version. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's yeah. I, that that was the one thing I found out about Woody Guthrie accidentally uh, before you did this uh, this show because mm-hmm. I was trying to. I always try to avoid um, finding yeah. learning. Yes. Well, before I don't, I don't trust anything that uh, I, I find out uh, like not from you guys. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And uh, it's worked out so far. Yeah, I don't blame you. Dude. <laughs> but I, I was I was blown away by that the idea of of of, of Woody Guthrie writing folk song about the old slumlord the, uh, the 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 dad of Trump. Oh God! You know that we just found out. You know, gave him like hundreds of millions oh, of dollars. Million dollars yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: And so now at this point everybody so main man.
1: Yeah. Everybody thought Woody was a uh,
3: a full-blown alcoholic by now. It seemed like his drinking was getting worse. He he was bedraggled, he started smelling awful. He he, he wasn't living uh with Marjorie as much. Uh his, his uh so finally like all of his like he finally hits a big the folk music is blowing up and and now he's getting crazy. Like Sometimes he'd be normal and then sometimes he would just frighten the kids and he, so Marjorie was like you can't you can't be here anymore. Oh my god. So he started traveling more and he would just show up in tattered clothes looking like a drifter, bedraggled. Uh-huh.
4: Quiet. Yes. <laughs> yes.
3: Uh, his writing just became more rhymey, there was less structure or power or sense. And boop. About this time him and Marjorie like Marjorie was like we should probably should get divorced. He goes to Florida to visit his old friend Stetson Kennedy. Stetson Kennedy was the guy who infiltrated the KKK and wrote a book about it. Uh Uh, Stetson Kennedy at this time, he's living in a school bus at the edge of the (laughs) Uh Hatchy Swamp in Florida. Of course. He's living in a school bus and he's running for office and the KKK is constantly (laughs) threatening him because he infiltrated their gang and wrote about
1: it. (laughs) The only reason they don't come after my bus is the conductor's a gator.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So and his, they don't like anything that has to do with school.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> so the KKK was always threatening to destroy his school bus. They were like,
1: they Jesus. would send him like
3: threatening letters. So him and Woody would hang out and just shoot guns, pretending the KKK was coming after him. And <laughs> He got back to New York and Marjorie wouldn't let him back in the apartment. Oh. So he decided to get go around the uh, country again. By this point, she had met another man. And Woody was like, uh, he didn't approve of it. And then he accepted it. And oh, uh, May 1952, Woody traveled the country and then shows up one day just back at the apartment. And he attacks her. Oh, God. Oh, no. uh, she can see that there's something wrong with him. She hides in the bathroom. She, she goes out the bathroom window to talk to the neighbor to call the cops. And she doesn't see him. She gets back in. And she finds him like lurking in the bedroom. And he jumps on top of her. And uh, they never say whether he physically attacked her, but she was certainly scared. And the cops show up and they take him to jail. He spends three weeks in detox. Did he have a great time in jail again? Uh, not this one. <laughs> Didn't think so. He gets out and he threatens to kill himself. She calls the cops. They take him to Bellevue. Uh, they diagnose him with schizophrenia. Mm. But they're they're like, this is schizophrenia, but different? They're not really sure what it is. Something's up.
1: Something's up. I I smell an illness. Uh Uh oh
3: He gets out again. He shows up drunk to a party at Marjorie's. He attacks Arlo. They check him into Kings County Hospital. And so Marjorie makes some calls, and uh, through uh, Earl Robinson, this guy he used to work with, she finds a doctor, and they transfer him to Brooklyn State Hospital. And September September third, nineteen fifty two, the consulting neurologist diagnoses him with Huntington's Korea.
1: Huntington's Korea,
3: the same thing his mother had.
1: Oh fuck! It would later be called
3: Huntington's disease.
2: Ah ah! It was because of the Korean War. (laughs) Yes
3: yes. (laughs) Was because they real Korea has a different meaning than uh, disease. (laughs) Disease is uh, uh There's a different. Uh, I don't exactly know what it.
2: The but there's is. some. There's some distinction to be made. Yes. Huntington's disease is 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 the one we've all heard of.
3: Yes. The, medically, there is a a, a much different uh, significance to it. And they didn't tell him for seventeen days. Oh. And then the day they told him, uh, they discharged him, and he literally ran out of there. Oh. Whoa. And that's uh, terrifying, man. Yikes. So so here's, here's kind of um, what happens with Huntington's disease. Uh, this is from Joe Klein. He writes, Gradually, scientists began to get a better sense of the areas of the brain was affected by the disease. They found severe damage in several crucial midbrain areas, especially those known as the caudate, nucleus, and putamen. I don't know if I'm pronouncing those right. Which are believed to have a great deal of influence on movement and balance, but there's also a cell, uh, cell loss throughout the rest of the brain, particularly in the frontal lobe of the cortex, an area generally associated with a person's sense of self and social awareness. The brain, of course, was far too sophisticated an organ for researchers ever to pin down which areas caused which personality disruptions in hereditary patients. In fact, it was difficult to say which, de- which disruptions were indeed caused by the disease. No doubt, alcoholism and the long years of confinement in mental hospitals accelerated Woody's de- degeneration, but it's impossible to say where the disease left off and Woody began. Ugh.
1: Eesh. What kind of uh, breakfast was he making? Around that? <laughs> yeah, was he? I don't think he was making breakfast. <laughs> yeah, was he
2: uh, stabbing?
3: Stabbing,
1: eggs. stabbing floor bacon?
2: Yeah.
1: I think he was just. Taking... I made
2: some ceiling pancakes.
1: <laughs> I know how you like them. Yeah, Great, fresh off. I'm, I'll make breakfast. Please don't. Just don't. Fresh off the ceiling. <laughs> So he headed
3: uh, he headed back to Los Angeles, where he where Herta and Will Gear were his old friends uh, from the Grapes of Wrath shows, and he he buys a little plot of land to bang a canyon. Hey, hey, fucking nice, Andy Dick. Nice. <laughs> and while he's out there, he's he's hailed as the like the old lion of folk music. Folk music is popular, and you know when he shows up. Well, he and had then, all
1: those glory days on the radio mm-hmm. out there. Yeah,
3: yeah. And during this time, Marjorie and him are keeping in touch and, you know, she still loves him, but, you know, she, but now she knows what's really wrong with him.
1: Well, you can't have him around the fucking kids, yeah, No, he's, for he's sure. He's Korean. No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there he is. You think he's some fucking Woody from Oklahoma. All of a sudden he's a Huntington from Korea. <laughs> Can
3: you believe it? So, uh, while he's out in Tabaga Canyon, he, uh, he meets someone and, uh, they get married. Oh God! She leaves her husband for him. Uh-huh. Uh, he's forty years old, and she's twenty-one. Oh, good mm. lord! Mm. How's the spit? <laughs> <laughs> it's young, fresh. Mm. <laughs> so the, the, the he doesn't. They don't know what to do. So they travel. They go back to B- B- uh, Belutha uh, Hatchy Swamp. Of course, oh, back they to go the back bus. to the swamp. Except now, Stetson Kennedy has left to go uh, live in Europe. And, all that's le- the, and when he left, the KKK finally showed up and destroyed his bus.
2: Oh, God. Hey, baby, I know this great bus in a swamp that we yeah. could go to.
3: Fuck, it's gone. <laughs> but she she knew his folk music, and so she was in love with, you know, the idea of Willie right. Guthrie, yeah. Lynn, the Dream. giant of folk music. <laughs> and uh, she becomes pregnant pregnant in 1953 from him. Oh boy And they're living out In the swamp And then on June 10th In 1953 He's preparing a fire For breakfast
2: Oh oh, great Breakfast And he always starts it
3: He would start the fire Fire
2: breakfast This is perfect Uh, This is wrapping this up uh,
3: And he he used a starter. His starter was white gasoline.
2: Of course, oh, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> court, the cornerstone, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> napalm and white
3: phosphorus. <laughs> <laughs> I know how you like your eggs, <laughs> nuked. <laughs> but uh, so he uh, he sprays some white gasoline uh, on the fire. Uh-huh. Does God doesn't know that there's an ember still hot from the night before. Uh oh. The ember lights the gasoline. The gasoline runs up his, his right arm. You gotta be shitting me. And just burns the shit out of his arm. And his arm would never work the same again. Oh, and he could never really play guitar after that. Yeah. You think he
1: would be just. You know, fire. Done right? with fire yeah. by that point. Let's really. have a,
3: is there an electrical stove we can use for the. Yeah. Is yeah. there a gas? Yeah.
1: Boil shit. <laughs> <sighs> hot, uh, hot plate
3: yeah uh, anything, anything but she's pregnant he can't do anything. Yeah. they move back to new york city they they moved to new york city i guess um you know marjorie's kind of like you know at first she her and his wife uh was uh a n n e k e i never looked up how that ever pronounced that um the Anunnaki yes at first her her and marjorie would write antagonistic letters to each other yeah
2: Fuck you, man. He liked my vagina first. Yeah.
3: But then it, it, after after this happened, uh, Aniki was like, hey, we need help. Marjorie's like,
1: you do. Oh, let, let me, how cute. Let me <laughs> you with all your new spit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I guess the old lady will come in and save the day of your crippled arm Korean husband.
3: <laughs> uh, and so they get back to New York, and he's just drinking constantly now oh, and, God. and even when drinking. he's not drinking he can't take care of the, the uh, uh he, he he drinks so much he misses the birth of his new uh daughter Ugh. and uh, in fact marjorie calls him to tell him about it and finds him and his sounds great and uh he's not making any money can't take care of the kid and him and uh, anarchy uh, um they get in a, a physical fight like the, and she, it ends up with her choking him on the floor.
2: Hell yeah! Yeah, he's, going, he's got one arm. So, <laughs> Choke him. The yeah. next,
3: the next day, he leaves and he travels the country again. But now he's even more bedraggled than ever. He's showing up. Oh, he's on,
2: bedraggled <laughs> again. Yeah.
3: more than ever. Uh, they, uh, he shows up at his old <laughs> wife, his original first wife's Mary's place, and he falls asleep on her couch and urinates on it.
2: Hell yeah! Nice, piss, <laughs> piss, yes, yeah. Piss, 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 Whoa! Cool. Yeah, I'm in it at <laughs> minute seventy-five.
3: Piss on it, dude. And so Mary be- began to he, 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 Mary began to cry, and their daughter Sue, um, you know, one of his original three kids, she's in high school now, and she she puts her arm around him and she says, "Daddy, uh, I've missed you very much, and I love you, but Mom has made a good life for us here, and it hurts her to have you stay, so maybe you better go." Whoa! And Woody says, "What time does the next bus leave?"
1: Damn! Oh, that and, is fucking brutal, man.
3: And that's the last time he would see any of them.
1: Wow! And he
3: keeps bumming around. There's a noted. There's an article written uh, August 29th, nineteen fifty four, in Columbus, Jeez. Ohio, uh, where the the headline is: City prison houses distinguished author and composer, composer and hobo.
1: <laughs> in parentheses,
3: hobo. The opening line is, quote, Sunday's child, the pro- proverb says, has gone too far. No, wait, no, hold on. I'm going to take that again. Saturday's child, the proverb says, has far to go. All right. That's a way better take on that one. Well, yeah, right, yeah. Right, that's Very the proverb, good. not the right. proverb either. <laughs> And so he gets back to New York, and September 16th, 1954, he checks himself back into the Brooklyn State Hospital. By the end of 1954, he would have moments of normality, but even then, uh, by the end of the year, he couldn't even type anymore. Wow. Damn. And his typing just became um, scoobity-boop. Basically, here's here's him typing a verse of Cumberland Mountain Farms, which is... I never realized Cumberland Farms was... It's a... Sounds like a... Bacon well, it's a, it's a, it's a, a gas station and, a um, uh, store, you know, like a fucking a package store, you know, what the fucking, in Massachusetts. I never put it, but it's connected to this. So, it. uh, it, it was a song his mother had taught him and oh, wow. he, when he typed it, it came out like this. It's 120 some miles shitty younger. It's about that same distance per cell. It's a trillion, jillion miles to Clevia Tooney. Here I'm standing in the lowest parts of hell. Whoa. Shit. All in caps, like, all caps except for some, there's not a single word spelled. <laughs> oh my God. So at the end of 54, he can't even type anymore. And uh, he he's just sitting there and slowly losing every part of his body. Yeah. And March 17, 1956, there's a benefit concert for him. And, uh, from this, he, he, he's energized from the concert and he goes and he's, he's visiting people and he leaves, I think he leaves, uh, Miller Lample's house or, or, or one of the Almanac's house and he's about to go to somewhere else in New York and he ends up in New Jersey.
1: Oh yeah. Cause he doesn't know his ass he from his elbow. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And burnt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this is common thread. And, um, He's in New Jersey and one of the one of the police officers they call someone, they say, Hey, we got this guy, and they're like, Oh yeah, that's Woody. <laughs> and so in New Jersey, they take him to Greystone Park in Morris Plains, New Jersey, and he would live there for the rest of his life. In a park? In Greystone Park. It was a Uh-oh, it was a kind of, it was an asylum of oh, sorts. Okay.
1: Wow. That's fucking brutal, Oof. man. He's like, How old now?
3: Uh it's nineteen fifty six. So he's he's
2: about forty-four. Oh man!
3: Ah, and uh, December nineteen fifty-six, December fourteenth, or December twelfth. He he he. uh, Let's see. I think believe this is one of his last letters. He writes to Marjorie. I I just guess I have to really face my fact in my earthly case. Here, all off my goody booky writing days are just all out and all over, anyways. And his last letter, December 14th, um, he described a news patient on the ward who ate cigarette butts off the floor and never said anything. And then he invited the kids oh, to come visit me in my magic-y tree again And he wrote on the envelope, God, you see me, I don't-y. And that was Ooh. the last letter he ever wrote.
2: Oh, man, that is suck.
1: <laughs> that is suck. <laughs> yeah, very Fuck. good, dude. Very good. Fuck, that's yes. brutal. That's really brutal.
3: And you know, during during his convales, during <laughs> yeah. convalescence, during his like his his stays in these places, you know, people would come to visit him. And there's this one family, the Gleasons, that uh, they would take him out to hit their place on the weekends. And and all of these aspiring folk singers and, oh, and, and 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 people who who had a history with him, they would come over and play music. And Arlo described it as one of the most amazing. Things where all of these legends of, of music would come over and have a great time and sing right. Woody's songs. And
1: play for this jackass that couldn't appreciate it. <laughs> <Wow>. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: He's barely in there.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, like at the...
4: <laughs> Sorry, that's
3: so funny. That's very funny. At, at the Gleason's, you know, Bob Dylan would show up and he, he would he would sleep at the Gleason's for weeks on oh, end really? to, to hang out with Woody and... And what he said, you know, what he said, something about him. He's like, "Uh, kid, I don't know if he'll make it on his writing, but he's got a voice. He's got a great voice. Funny. Which is kind of ironic, because most people are like, he's a good writer, but I hate his voice.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
3: (laughs) Interesting. And, you know, uh, Arlo, years later, would describe it as kind of a Shakespearean tragedy. Because as he started losing all of these facilities, he started becoming more popular. And his right. songs, "This Land oh, Is Your Land," God. was being sung in every classroom. That's so yeah. brutal. And so all of his life's work was being was getting appreciated the way he always wanted it to. Yeah. And yet he couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. He's watching a guy eat cigarette butts. Yeah. And the guy was him. <laughs> so uh, about eight years later, in 1964, he's falling. He can't really walk anymore. By 1965, he couldn't speak. Just. He could move his eyes, and his arms would spasm, and then Shit. by the end of that year, he couldn't even speak. Oh, God.
2: It, is, a, is a death from Huntington's disease kind of like Parkinson's? Or, or,
3: you or just, like ALS. Or you, were you just slowly degenerating? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. It just really slowly sick. eats away your brain, and, and uh, so all these things. He would have, arm, like, when he, in the early 50s, he would have arm spasms, and then by the late 50s, they would hook his arm into his pants, so, like, he couldn't spasm. <laughs>
1: All right, He it looks like he was going for a gun. Yeah. And then,
3: <laughs> and then by 1967, he weighed less than 100 pounds. His skin was translucent. Oh, God. His bones were sticking through it. Jesus fucking Christ. And he had so little energy, he couldn't even have involuntary spasms anymore. There was just nothing left. Mm. And on October 2nd, Marjorie went and saw him, and she recognized what was happening, and she talked to him, she kissed him on the forehead, and on October 3rd, he died. Wow uh wow and in nineteen seventy seven that sign he painted for Harris drugstore was was sandblasted away Wow the sign outlived him damn wow shit
2: that's pretty uh pretty hardcore stuff very hardcore stuff great story
1: that is great
2: Wow, thank you,
1: Matt Sure. Uh,
3: and so, you know, as soon as this happened, they, they put this whole tribute concert together. Yeah. Um, Odetta and Leadbelly and, and Pete Seeger and everybody, Bob Dylan, when he heard he died, he called his manager and said, whatever they're doing, I want to be a part of it. Wow. Mm-hmm. It was the first uh, appearance of Dylan since his motorcycle accident. And uh, He'd been Woodstock, playing music with the band, and there's a first public appearance after that. Shit. And it became a whole banger of a show, and I'm going to talk about it in a Patreon in a couple weeks about uh, yeah. how oh, kind yeah. of it influenced music in, in an amazing way. Really? Yeah. Oh. Huh. And uh, yeah, I guess that's uh, that's Woody Guthrie. That's Woody Guthrie.
1: Damn. So, uh, so I mean, how how did you get into it? If you don't mind me asking, I mean, what what was it your 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 folks or or what got you so into Woody Guthrie? Um, I
3: w- when I was in my early 20s, I decided. To just go back through music, yeah, and the more you go back, the more you you know you find like the American anthology of folk music, and there's just all these mountain songs and this this awful. I mean, it's awful now, but at the time, it's beautiful singing or whatever. And and then you, you, I read about Woody, and and he was progressive and 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 uh, wanted to integrate, and he just he saw, sung about. Life and and hard times, but how it didn't have to be the end. It didn't have to be the sentence. And, you know, reading about the shit he went through and then uh, for him to have such a positive spin on everything. Yeah. Until until the shit really started hitting the fan. And yeah, uh, just going, you know, it it, there's a certain resonance for me.
1: Yeah. And um, it's such an American story
3: that like I said, the the first episode, such an American
1: story because it's there's so much about about. You know, um, opportunity and 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 tragedy and trauma and you know expression. Uh, yeah, and and then like you know, fucking up, just fucking up. Yeah, you know, and, <laughs> and
2: redeeming yourself, right, or, or redemption in general, and yeah, fighting in war mm-hmm. and travel. These are all like super super American things. Like yeah, in the 20- it's, it's
1: like, such a it's such a such an American story. So emblematic of of the times and emblematic of um. Um, really, being able to, to 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 make your like so much out of yourself when you really were coming from nothing.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, and it, while and being sort of you know lionized while you're alive.
1: Yeah, and I mean, like it's not as if he. Uh, it's not as if uh, like I I feel like he he still did, just whatever he wanted to do. It sounds right. like it sounds like he wasn't ever like selling out. Right. You know, he was always kind of just doing. What he wanted to do, uh, which was a lot, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, he wanted to do so many things, and, and, he, and he did do so many things.
3: But but just, you know, so many things for me were just, like, pushing a progressive agenda of inclusion. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, he he was born because of the Oklahoma land rush. Right. And then he lived through the Dust Bowl, and then he became one of the migrants who got kicked out of California got beaten for being there. And then he went to New York city and experienced, he was part of that rush of when New York city became the city.
1: Yeah. And And him loving New York city is, is is so fascinating to me because what a fucking shock, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, maybe not as much if you're in fucking LA after Oklahoma, but, but still it 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 was,
3: it was to him.
1: Oh God. It'd be so shocking back then, especially, I mean, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure a man at that time, would have absolutely no idea what a person with a New York accent was saying, <laughs> because yeah. accents have just ebbed away over time. Yeah. But back when you had a fucking Boston accent yeah. or a or a regional, you know, accent, it was like it was like a fucking other language. It was mm-hmm. like another dialect. Mm-hmm. You know, just that alone would have been super intense.
3: But he also never he never apologized. Like he he well no he 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 he, he never made apologies for the terrible things his father did when he was younger. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, about the, that hanging, the yeah. lynching. And he wrote a song about it, and he never recorded it, but he wrote, you know, 1,200 songs. And, and, and this it, the song he wrote was called Don't Kill My Baby and My Son. And it opens with, As I walked down that old dark town in the town where I was born, I heard the saddest lonesome moan I ever heard before. My hair it trembled at the roots. Cold chills run down my spine. As I drew near the jailhouse, I heard this deathly cry. Oh, don't kill my baby and my son. Oh, don't kill my baby, my son. You can stretch my neck on that old river bridge, but don't kill my baby and my son. (laughs) Wow. Now I've heard the cries of the panther. Now I've heard the coyotes yell, but that long, lonesome cry shook the whole wide world, and it come from the cell of a jail. Wow. And there's more to it, but, uh, you know, just standing up for that. I mean, just saying, just making, uh, you know, we've done so many terrible things in this country, and he's saying, look, you you need to be aware of this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that doesn't make you doesn't make us worse for being aware of it.
1: Yeah. Culture. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a such a it's such a seemingly simple, uh, you know, uh, oaky guy going around and just saying like, oh, the injustice in L.A. is the same as the justice in Oklahoma yeah. is the same as the injustice in New York. Mm-hmm. And and no matter what, it is just uh, poor people being kind of trod on, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that is that is really incredible. I just think I just think uh, for for what was going on with it. I just but without the disease, even before that, I don't. I just don't think he was he was ever able to be at peace anywhere yeah. because of the trauma of of his early childhood. Yes, it seems like that. You know, as much as he, you know, and, and again, and something that, you know, which is reassuring for all of us who were traumatized <laughs> during childhood.
2: <Yeah>. Yes, <laughs> which if you weren't, go fuck yourself. Yes. <laughs> yeah,
3: absolutely. absolutely. Something Klein talks about though. He's like. Would he have been Woody Guthrie if not for the disease? Mm. Would he have had the same output? Would he have? Right. Yes. And it's kind of a frightening.
2: Would he have been Woody? Woody. Yes.
3: Yeah, it's kind of a yeah. frightening question to figure yeah, out. Yeah. Who
2: knows? Who knows how 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 the disease manifests early on? Right. <laughs> right. Like, or maybe it doesn't at all. Right. But um, at least the, di- the his mother having the disease definitely affected him. Mm-hmm. So, oh uh, yeah. In a yeah. weird way. The disease did affect his personality
1: yeah. by yeah. proxy. Yeah certainly. Went, yeah, certainly.
3: He to live in a shack by himself. You know, mass yeah. a mass brand Sears That's <laughs>
2: absolutely normal.
3: <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry. sorry, <laughs> that's, sorry. Just,
1: that's just a good deal. Yeah. <laughs> Family's gone. <laughs> I got a shack to my I son. don't care if you have the disease, your mom has the disease. A whack shack is a fine bargain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, I think we're going to call it. Matt, fantastic profile, thank first you. two-parter
2: of the show yes, thank you. Great lovely. job Lovely, thank lovely, you. lovely,
1: lovely Aaron, I love you Hey, I
2: love you and I love you I love Matt, you, I love you And uh, listeners, Absolutely. we love you thank too you We awesome love so you much. more than anybody Please follow us on Instagram, tell people about the show And
1: and subscribe to the Patreon if you want some more of this bullshit Yeah, you give
2: us a little bit of
1: scratch Yeah, sometimes we talk about some shit that we never ever talk about on this show And it is good and interesting and weird Yeah And um and we love you. We do. And I'm John Fahey. I'm Aaron Pita.
3: I'm Ab And uh, so I'm gonna um, leave on on this one little thing. This is from the Be- the benefit concert or, or, or the concert after he died. And this is Odetta singing, and then the uh, many people sing, and then Will Gear reads that line from that radio show.
4: This land is your land. This land is my land. California to the New York Island from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream Water this land belongs to you and me As I.
0: any good. I hate a song that makes you think you're just born to lose. Bound to lose. No good to nobody. No good for nothing. Because you're either too old or too young or too fat or too thin or too ugly or too this or too that. Songs that run you down or songs that poke fun at you on account of your bad luck or your hard traveling. I am out to fight those kind of songs to my very last breath of air and my last drop of blood. I'm out to sing songs that will prove to you that this is your world and that it has hit you pretty hard and knocked you down. For a dozen loops, no matter how hard it's run you down and rolled over you, no matter what color, what size you are, how you're built, I am out to sing the songs that will make you take pride.
4: say nothing that side was made for you and